today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Cash and Carry Kitchens. At the heart of Irish homes for over 40 years. Cashandcarrykitchens.ie Email todaycb at rte.ie European leaders want to end the tax exemption, which is currently enjoyed by the aviation industry in Europe, which means it doesn't have to pay tax on jet fuel used within the bloc. However, time is running out and there's currently no sign of a deal being completed ahead of this year's European elections. Excise duty and VAT is not currently charged on kerosene for most flights out of Ireland. And the CSO estimates that this has been worth around 5.3 billion euro over 10 years to the industry or an average of 500 million euro a year. Well, for more on this, I'm joined now in the studio by Green Party MEP Kieran Cuff and Owen Corrie is on the line, editor of Airline Travel Magazine. So, uh, Kieran, will you tell us exactly what the lay of the land here, like what is being proposed by the EU and how might it work? Well, my understanding is that there's a meeting of finance ministers in Belgium uh, this Wednesday and they've added to the agenda uh, a proposal to have a tax on aviation fuel. Unusually, aviation doesn't have taxes uh, on on the fuel. And if we take road transport or trains or even buses, most countries have some form of taxes. It could be value added tax. It could be um, carbon tax. It could be other forms of tax. Uh, And you pay that when you when you buy a ticket, you're paying a significant amount of tax of tax on uh, on the fuel. However, aviation doesn't. Going back to, I think, the Chicago Convention from perhaps 1946. But I think it's time for change. And even the energy taxation directive uh, that the European Union uses is over 20 years old. Mm -hmm. So I think there is a reasonable case to be made. I mean, after all, aviation is, it's 3.8% of the direct uh, greenhouse gas emissions in Europe. But when you take into account the non-CO2 effects, in other words, the effects of polluting at high altitude, it almost doubles that to 8%. So a huge chunk. People listening to this will say, I am taxed when I go through the airport. I know that there are taxes on my my travel or on that exercise of, of actually going from the airport to another country. So why should we look, be looking at additional taxes? Well, uh, if you um, drive your car into a multi-storey car park, you pay a, a charge to use that car park in the same way as you pay to use the airport. But when it comes to getting from that airport to another airport far away, you're not being taxed on that fuel. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the car driver, when you fill up your car with, with petrol or diesel or even electricity, you're paying a whack load of taxes. You're paying uh, on diesel, I think the AA says 52% of what you pay for the litre of diesel is taxes, 56% on petrol. You buy a plane ticket, zero. And that's what I think should change. And I think it's all about fairness. Uh-huh. OK, well, let's see what Owen Curry thinks about this. Owen, it looks as though it is coming. It, you know, it might be delayed. It might be slow in getting through. But there's one direction of travel here, pardon the pun. Do you think that the EU should do this and end the tax exemption for airline fuel? No, I don't. Um, and, you know, you say it's coming. Since it's a Chicago convention in 1944, we've seen lots of attempts to dismantle uh, any bits of it that they can. Um, it's going to be a big deal to dismantle it. It's going to be a big deal to reconvene something that is worldwide uh, completely in a, sort of a, a divided world. And 
what we generally see governments do and politicians do down the years is, hey, I want a slice of that. Let's put a slap um, aviation uh, tax on aviation fuel and uh, make uh, money for ourselves. But every time they go into it and look at it, um, the consequences of dismantling a worldwide system um, become a little bit more complicated than they would have anticipated. Now, what Kieran is talking about there is the, uh, the revisiting of a 2003 convention, which actually allows countries to impose uh, tax on aviation fuel with, on domestic flights. Uh, that facility is already there, but it's not there for international flights because mm-hmm. of the Chicago Convention. And you say nobody uses that. Nobody uses the 2003 directive. Why? Uh, well, there's uh, it, Netherlands, interestingly uh, enough, used it for a little while and seemed to have backed off it. Um, the reason really is that um, the, the Netherlands is the size of monster. You know, if it was applied in Ireland would mean taxing the Kerry and Donegal uh, domestic routes, which are the ones that are subsidised by PSO. So what we see with a lot of European countries doing is making a lot of, uh, talking a lot about domestic, uh, what they can do within domestic flights. Uh, The French uh, brought in a directive that they won't have domestic flights where there is a, a rail service and all. It only affected three routes from their secondary airport. They're all very careful to uh, careful to uh, exclude okay, well, anything that will affect international traffic. Can, can I ask you why then? Oh, and there's something you said. There's something you said there that I want to pick up on. You said that every time countries look at this and look at taxing aviation fuel, they back away from it. Why? Because it would mean dismantling Chicago. And you're into all sorts of other, you know, safety elements, everything like that, when you start uh, uh, putting different prices on fuel on different airports. You have uh, this convention, this understanding um, where the uh, cost of aviation fuel it rides close to the international barrel price. It, it, it separates a little bit. Occasionally it gets separated by a large margin that happened at the end of 2023. But you're paying the same price no matter what airport in the world you land in. If you, uh, when they look at changing that, they start looking at, oh, uh, will airlines start uh, shopping around for fuel? How will it affect connectivity? How will it affect... So it's too complicated. The, uh, not the it's greater, too, too, the greater It's too complicated. Economy. Is yeah, that what you're saying? Okay, so... Uh, it, it's complicated to dismantle it, yeah. Okay, Kieran. Look, any legislation is complex by its very nature. But over the last five years with the European Green Deal, uh, we've taken action. We've taken action in the maritime sector, uh, in renewable energy, in energy efficiency. And aviation is now an outlier. And I certainly think at a time when we've tractors on the streets of many cities around Europe, I can't look farmers in the eye and say, uh, you deserve a a, a special deal when aviation is let off scot-free. I I think we have to take action and aviation is, in a sense, the elephant in the room Uh, and it is a significant proportion of greenhouse gas emissions in Europe. Uh, I think it makes sense to tackle it. The UK, actually, our nearest neighbour, already has with, um, uh, as the ESRI has pointed out in in an excellent study, uh, have have taxes on fares that uh, are at range from €13, I think, up to €170. Outside of domestic. uh, Outside of domestic. 
and and then as Owen pointed out, the uh, uh, France does tackle short haul aviation, and I think there can be certainly an argument uh, for that. Uh, but look, I I think a principle of good governance is that you tax the bad stuff and encourage the good stuff. Uh, and I think when it comes to the climate challenge that we have at the moment, uh, I certainly don't think that aviation should be let off scot free, mm-hmm. particularly when airlines are making record profits. Well, this is what we hear from uh, Owen. We hear from the the farmers' lobbies all of the time. You know, why is all the attention focused on agriculture when the airlines are, as Kieran says, getting off scot free? It's very interesting. Ireland isn't a, a country that has coal mines or produces soil, and the two things that we're being hectored on uh, are food production and aviation, which we do. Um, it would be really disastrous economically for us to get out of the food production and aviation businesses. But that's an, uh, a, a, back to Kieran's point where he mentions the UK legislature. That has nothing to do with the taxing of jet fuel. In fact, it, it tax, it, 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 what most governments, when they look at taxing jet fuel, they look at other ways. They say, can't be done. Let's look at doing it some other way. And that's been happening worldwide. Uh, I travel a lot. Uh, 30, the average is 33% of your air uh, tickets, goals and taxes already. So, you know, moving away, what they do is they look at fuel and say, OK, that's too complicated and it has a safety element. Let's tax aviation. As Kieran says, tax the bad stuff. Um, let's tax it in some other way. And that's what's been happening worldwide. We famously had a couple of taxes here. You also got to remember that the elephant in the room is the phrase Kieran uses. But it's, uh, aviation is to present of, of uh, emissions and the industry... 3.8 3.8 in the EU and that's not taking into account the non-CO2 effects. Yeah, well, so I'm on. talking worldwide. I mean, it's between 2 and 3%. And, you know, there, there, there isn't that much of a difference between them. But you would actually... If you survey um, the discussion on this, aviation is the one that is brought up uh, repeatedly because it probably is more difficult to tackle uh, other uh, the actual production of fossil fuels, which is such a major economic uh, player worldwide. And we saw that at the COP, the different COP uh, uh, summits. I was at a couple of them, but the latest one is the first one to actually sit down and start talking about but, the producers. Oh, yeah. Aviation is a consumer. This is really important. Okay. It's a consumer of fossil fuels. It wouldn't consume fossil fuels if it had an alternative. It isn't going to get an alternative quickly. And what Kieran and his party and his fellow politicians might be doing is moving towards helping, pushing it along the way by making sustainable aviation fuel available. There are no incentives in Europe. Sadly, America, which isn't known for its climate action, is leading Europe in uh, incentivising the production of SAS. There's a lot of talk about how Ireland... Okay, can I put some of those points to Kieran, please? Uh, One moment. So, the the airlines are consumers of fossil fuel, which is being produced by something else, and your energies would be better spent on helping the industry find sustainable alternatives to fossil fuel. What do you Uh, say? And we are. I've spent a lot of the last two years working on the sustainable aviation fuel uh, regulation, which is all about incentivising a move away from jet one 
kerosene uh, towards um, uh, fuels with a lower climate impact. So that is happening. And actually, the cost of making those uh, jet fuels, as you well know, Owen, uh, can be set off against the, the emissions trading scheme. So you're disingenuous in suggesting that we're not giving any support no, to a greener, in, uh, you're, that we're not giving a greener support uh, to a greener future for aviation. But look, at a European Europe Union level, 72% of the general public support uh, some form of taxation on jet fuel. And looking back over the last five years, we bailed airlines out during the pandemic. We, we simply opened the wallet and gave them all the money that they needed to survive. And I think sooner or later, it has to be payback time. There has to be fairness in this. Uh, and airlines are allowed pollute for free. That's what the uh, emissions trading scheme gave them no, uh, over the last 15 years. They don't have to pay for those allowances uh, that they are granted. They have to pay on the on the extra fuel on top of that. Uh, and I think we have to look at making changes. And I don't think those changes will happen overnight. I think they would be gradually phased in over the but next decade. But is there decade. anything in that argument that the airline industry <clears throat> is a consumer of fossil fuels, not a creator, not a producer? I mean, there is an argument that's popular in left of centre circles of just tax the fuel, uh, just tax the big companies and make sure that the consumer uh, it doesn't have to pick up the tab. But sooner or later, the, the consumer will pay, pick up the tab. But actually, I think there is an argument that the airlines should be, uh, should be paying something significant you, on this. Because I'm a consumer of petrol, but I pay a carbon tax on that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, aviation uh, gets its jet fuel at the same rate around the world for the reasons that were set out in the 1940s. Back to um, the, the, taking the checkbook out to bail out airlines, Ireland's government has one of two of the leading airlines in Europe and didn't bail them out. One of our airlines, our leading airline, lost nearly two billion over those three years, didn't get any bailouts. So to sort of say, oh, we gave you money, it's um, payback time, all of that is just, um, it's, it's raining down on an industry which has become a, an easy target really for, mm -hmm. for uh, people who are, it's a complex well, I, I, I think and I, I don't think it's an easy life. Yes, you can say that aviation is living the high life, but I think sooner or later uh, it has to uh, pick up the tab for the pollution that it's causing. Fatih Burrell, the head of the International Energy and Agency, 40, said 40 that fossil fuels... Sorry, pardon me for speaking years. while you're interrupting, Owen, but fossil fuel subsidies, he said, are the biggest enemy of a sustainable future. And Mary Robinson has said that removing fossil fuel subsidies is key. And I think that is what this is all about. And airline tickets will go up. So you said 72% of people across uh, Europe who were surveyed on this agree that this should happen. Were they told that the price of flying would increase? I, I don't have the detailed questions mm. in front of That's me. That's important, but I, isn't it? I, I think it is, but I, I think in the overall scheme of things, any increase in in the ticket price would be fairly insignificant compared to the overall uh, costs of flying and going somewhere by plane at the there moment. There are parts of Europe in the same situation as ourselves, like Malta, who would object to this because of connectivity and how important it is. Do you think that any move on this might involve an exemption for islands? I think we may see some um, some account taken of countries which are peripheral, but 
The moment you start talking about Malta, then you've Cyprus, you've Ireland. Uh, you can put into the same league places like Finland, uh, Sweden, uh, that are uh, have very little land. Would it be very interesting to see whether Ireland applies for an exemption? Well, if it, this it, goes it, ahead? it goes on and on, and actually, the Central European countries are very far from Western Europe. Before you know it, you're you're covering half the countries here. But what is interesting, Claire, is that I understand you need unanimity uh, for this proposal to to pass. So we will need to have every member state, every country on board and I've no doubt that there will be some horse trading along the way. So unlikely to go through in this term? Uh, I I would be surprised if it is all approved before the European elections and before the next European Commission is formed. Uh, but I, I think we do need uh, to see progress on this. And as Owen knows, we also need to see progress on the si- single European sky to straighten up the air routes around Europe, which could deliver uh, carbon savings. But we do need to take further action in aviation. The refuel aviation law is one part of the jigsaw but there's many other pieces and certainly that does include uh, fairer fares for all. OK, well look, we'll leave that there but thank you both. Owen Corrie, editor of Airline Travel Magazine and Kieran Cuff, who's Green Party MEP. Thank you both for joining us. Now, I just want to turn to a story which is on the front of the Irish Independent this morning where the headline says new inquiry after a second girl dies suddenly at UHL or University Hospital Limerick. We do have some more information on this now from RT's Midwest correspondent Cathy Halloran who reports that a preliminary assessment of the circumstances surrounding the critical care of a 16-year-old teenager from County Limerick who died at University Hospital Limerick at the end of January has been completed. The inquiries by hospital management are standard in all cases where there has been an unexpected death. Cathy also reports that it's understood the 16-year-old girl from County Limerick had been treated at UHL in the weeks leading up to her death for a severe chest infection. She'd also been treated a number of times at Crumlin Children's Hospital over the years in the management of her health and that assessment, the preliminary inquiry, looked at the management of care of the teenager uh, that she received when she was brought to UHL where she had been brought by ambulance and was immediately treated in the resuscitation unit. She died unexpectedly we're told at the hospital on the 29th of January last and undoubtedly we're going to hear more about that case as time goes on. We'll take a break back after this. Text 51551. Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1.